Hey there, everyone. Welcome to the Ready for the Draft podcast. I am your host, Greg Schutz, and this is episode seven of the 2022 podcast series, where we take a look at the draft eligible prospects and get you ready for the NFL draft set to take place in Las Vegas, Nevada, April 2022. And look, it's Labor Day weekend, which means it's a full slate of college football games. The season is here, which means I've got to introduce my top 10 at each position, along with some additional players to make sure that everyone's on the lookout for Now, in the previous podcast, we've covered the offensive side of the football. In fact, last podcast, we were in the trenches taking a look at the offensive line. Well, we're staying in the trenches now, taking a look at the defensive side of the football. We're going to start on the outside, work our way in with the defensive ends first, and then those defensive tackles. And we'll go ahead and work our way through. Next podcast, we'll talk about both the inside and outside linebackers, and then... Finally, we'll talk about the the secondary, and then from there, we'll actually get into discussing what I actually got to see during that first full full slate of games, and we'll start getting into some of the the performances and and who's really starting to make an impact in 2021. So we've got a lot to cover, two different positions, so we'll go ahead and jump into things. And uh, obviously, when you're talking about the defensive end position, when you look at past drafts, 2021, we had... Four defensive ends taken in round number one. And look, you know, you had Jalen Phillips, first guy coming off the board, number 18 overall, was the most complete defensive end prospect in this draft, uh, in my opinion. Quiddy Pay came off the board just a couple of picks later, number 21 overall, going to the Colts. Colts definitely needed a defensive end, uh, and Quiddy Pay definitely fit the bill there. A couple of surprises towards the end of round number one, 28 overall, Peyton Turner. I think a lot of people had him as a late day two pick. Uh, the Saints took him there. And then Gregory Rousseau going to the Bills. I think I was expecting him to kind of fall into day two. Um, they wind up getting him there at number 30 overall. It's going to be interesting to see how the Bills work him into things. Um you go back to 2020, and obviously that was the, the draft where Chase Young was uh, introduced to the National Football League, the Washington football team, taking him there number two overall. They, only one other defensive uh, defensive end, um, if you could really classify him, that is Clavon uh, Chason, uh, number 20 overall, going to the Jaguars. Um, you know that, that was a draft. You know we saw uh, Alex Highsmith. Uh, third round pick of the Steelers out of Charlotte. He's the guy that uh, is going to be starting there in Pittsburgh at outside linebacker. Uh, We had a huge draft in 2019 in terms of the defensive ends. Uh, We have five taken. That that was a draft where we had Nick Bosa and Cleveland Furl at the top of the list. And then Rashawn Gary, Montez Sweat, uh, LJ Collier also hearing their names called uh, on the first day of the draft. You go back one more year, 2018, just two guys taken in round one, and that was Bradley Chubb, number five overall, and then Marcus Davenport, a bit of a surprise coming out of UTSA. Saints taking him that high at number 14. Um, you know, Saints, you know, it's interesting taking guys that really just fit their system or what they think fit their system there in uh, in round one, two of the last four years. So we're talking about the defensive ends this year, and I, th- I think you know the two out of the last four years we didn't really have that special pro- you know prospect. We had Nick Bosa there in, in 2019, and then uh, obviously you follow that up with Chase Young in 2020. What do we have for for uh, everybody in 2021? Well, we have Kayvon Thibodeau. 6'5", 250 pounds, out of Oregon, the junior number one overall prospect when he came into uh, the 
college football landscape there in 2019. Had a, a stellar freshman season, 14 tackles for loss, 9 sacks, 35 total tackles. And then he ups that in just 7 games, so 6 less games. He has 42 tackles, 9.5 tackles for loss, just 3 sacks. But the, the, just don't look at the stats. This guy was disruptive, was all over the place. The, the burst off the line is exceptional. Just so quick coming off the ball. And what I love about Thibodeau is the versatility in getting to the quarterback. You watch him, you'll see uh, the speed rush coming off the edge. You'll see the hand work uh, to where he'll he'll slap and rip. He'll, he'll use a double, double swipe. He'll use some clubs. He'll use an arm over. Um, he'll attack you from the outside. You'll see an inside rush as well. Um, you're also going to see a bull rush out of out of Kayvon Thibodeau. He's going to get into that, that offensive tackle's body. He's going to drive him back into the backfield. So a lot of different things. He really makes you think what's he going to come with next and he sets up the offensive tackles really well with a lot of his moves um, you know what I, I really liked against USC in the Pac-12 championship Jalen McKenzie the right tackle um, he starts outside kind of a couple of steps uh, and then a jab and uh, the right tackle overset so he comes right back inside very quick to the quarterback look he didn't sack Keaton Slovis, but he definitely affected it, made sure that Keaton felt him. So even when Kayvon Thibodeau isn't completely getting home and getting the sack, he is still making his presence felt, still making it difficult on those quarterbacks. Um, what I love is, you know, he uses those hands, really attacks the um, offensive lineman's hands to secure the edge. Um, what I loved uh, in that Fiesta Bowl against Iowa State, um, you know, wide nine. Um, stays at home on a jet sweep, drops Tariq Milton for a loss in the open field. Um, you know, tremendous bend. We didn't talk about that just yet, but the bend and the flexibility coming off the edge. Um, you're you're going to see the hand usage, but then that bend flattens out, gets to the quarterback in a hurry. Uh, you see that explosiveness and the acceleration to get to the quarterback. He, I, I love that he he attacks half a man. He's going to go after that that right tackle on that outside shoulder, attack half a man. Um, you know and the hand usage is is phenomenal. Like I said, the slap and rip. He'll use a double club. Uh, you know, whatever you need to do to, to get by that offensive tackle, he's going to use that. Now, you know, against USC in that Pac-12 championship, he saw double and triple teams, and which allowed some of the other guys to end up getting home to the quarterback. And look, when he got to face Elijah Vera Tucker, the number 14 overall pick in this last draft, I know you know he's playing guard for the Jets, but still he was playing left tackle. For the Trojans, explosive off the ball, beats him off the snap, and really, you know, ABT barely got a hand on him. And uh, it was a critical third down play, and Thibodeau takes down Keaton Slovis. And, you know, we know what ends up happening. The Ducks end up winning the Pac-12 championship. So expect to see another huge year out of Kayvon Thibodeau. Watch the hands. Watch the explosiveness. And then watch that as the speed and the power. Watch how he sets up his man. And then watch you know him set the edge there against the run as well. You know he's really a special player. Now the next two picks, really it came down to a couple of Big Ten guys, and I was trying to decide between Aiden Hutchinson and George Karloftis. And ultimately I sided with Aiden, Aiden Hutchinson here, 6'6", 270 pounds out of Michigan. And look, he made Bruce Feldman's all-freak team. You know, this is a dude, like I said, 270, but he runs like a linebacker, probably runs in the four sixes. Um, you know, unfortunately only got to play in, in two games there for uh, the Wolverines in 2020. Injured four minutes into the game against Indiana, battled that, in, that ankle injury, wound up setting out the rest of the season. But uh, this is a guy 
He's just so athletic, and that's one of the things that I think is so impressive. You'll see him with, with a bull rush. He'll be able to drive the, the tackle into the backfield to collapse the pocket from within. Very strong at the point of attack. Does a great job using that long wingspan to his advantage. Um, you know, Getting his hands in the passing lane, affecting the quarterback's accuracy. He also uses that explosiveness as well. He's going to split you know, the tackle and the guard. He'll get a nice rip underneath. Um, he'll loop around on stunts, but what I also love is, is even while he's doing the you're looping around, he'll recognize the screen, he'll stop, get lateral, and all the way to the sideline if he has to, to pursue the running back. Hutchinson has violent, explosive hands. Uh, you, you'll see that when he makes contact, oftentimes he'll get that offensive tackle off balance, and once he does, he can use that explosiveness to shoot into the backfield. But, you know, he's got some freaky bending to him. I don't know what it is with the Michigan defensive ends. We saw Quiddy Pay, that legendary three-cone drill, the ability to stay low, the change of direction, explosive hips. And you see that with Aiden Hutchinson as well. Against Minnesota, um, you know, crashes down on the left tackle. Then he was able to bend and shoot back outside. Use those hands to disengage from the tackle and then drop... Mohamed Ibrahim down for no gain at the line of scrimmage. Just a freaky athletic play for a guy who's 6'6 and 270 pounds. So I, I think the future is bright for Aiden Hutchinson. Keep an eye out for him in Big Ten play. He's going to be one to watch, as is George Karloftis. Now look, this is a guy who battled injuries and then COVID hit. Uh, only played in two games in 2020. Um, but you know, in those two games, he did end up getting a couple of sacks for the Boilermakers. Uh, burst onto the scene, though, as a freshman. Freshman All-America in 2019. Uh, 54 tackles, 17 tackles for loss, 7.5 sacks. Couple of pass breakups, forced fumble, two for, uh, fumble recoveries as well. Now, Karloftis is just, he's explosive and he also has the power. So he's not just a guy, not just a one trick pony, a speed rusher coming off the edge. He has the speed, but he also has the power to jack a guy back into the backfield. Um, the inside move, he's very quick. Um, you know, and what I love with the spin move is it's very compact. Can get into the into the backfield in a hurry. The hands, another guy with violent hands. He's going to make make an offensive tackle's life miserable. I like that he's he's healthy, but the thing with it is for me is I, I want to see him really put everything together before I consider moving him up in my draft board. I didn't want to quite put him there at number two yet, just because I, I just I want to make sure that he's all the way back from the COVID and the. Uh, and the injury because look the guys that sat out due to COVID-19 at least in the NFL we've seen some of those guys struggle you know Jamar Chase a lot of drops there for Cincinnati we've also seen Panay Sewell for Detroit uh, according to Pro Football Focus he was the lowest graded offensive lineman there for the Lions and uh, at least with Jamar Chase he's actually admitted that you know the, the the time off he's actually having to play catch up so it'll be interesting to see how George Karloftis performs there for Purdue uh, at least early in 2021. Number four on my list is Zach Harrison out of Ohio State. 6'6", 272, uh, you know, 10 tackles for loss, five and a half sacks in his career that are at Ohio State. And look, you know, for the, the Buckeyes, he was sharing a lot of time with the likes of, of Jonathan Cooper and uh, obviously Tyreek Smith is there as well. Uh, you know, Nick Bosa had been there. And uh, so there's a lot of guys um, in that rotation 
that they've always had. Uh, and so obviously Harrison's going to be the next one. And what I really like about him is he has the, the size, he has the explosiveness. And so that's really what makes him so intriguing is if he can put it all together and really start getting home to the quarterback, you're going to have a guy who's going to continue to skyrocket and shoot up draft boards. Um, you know, he wasn't really a guy that jumped off the screen at you in his first two seasons, but it was one of those things as the game went on against Minnesota here in 2021, um, you, know, you saw him continue to make his presence felt. It was one of those things he struggled at times when he did have to go up against Daniel Fa'alele, the right tackle. So he kicked over to the left side and ultimately, uh, well, I guess it'd be the right side so that he could go up against uh, the left tackle, Sam Schluter. Much, much easier to deal with with Schluter over there. Shooting inside, actually dropping the left tackle on one play to end up wrapping up Mohamed Ibrahim in the backfield. Um, Shows a burst but not always able to get to the edge. So that's one of the things that's really surprising because this guy is a pretty good athlete and is supposed to be uh, one of the more explosive defensive ends in all of college football. Uh, you see that initial burst you know, at times, it's just not consistent. You see the hands, he'll slap, slap the, the, the hands of the offensive tackle down, he'll rip through, get to the edge, he flattens out. That's one of the things that I really like. Um, wide nine against Schluter. And Schluter, what happened with this play was he goes out to him and was already parallel to the sideline. And so he really puts himself in a compromising situation. And so really, what, what does Harrison do? A quick slap and rip, bends around the edge, really given a soft edge, was able to, to turn the corner in a hurry, flattens out to, uh, to the quarterback, and then chops down on Tanner Morgan's arm, forces the fumble, scoop and score by Haskell Garrett, a 30-yard touchdown, really changed the whole complexion of that game because you know Ohio State was really in a battle with the Golden Gophers for a while. So Zach Harrison just needs to continue to do that, continue to get home, uh, be consistent with that, that explosiveness off the football, and use that length to his advantage. He showed what he could do when he actually gets there. Not only go for the sack, but he actually was a difference maker in, with that strip sack, using that length to his advantage. Uh, I think Zach Harrison, if he can put it all together, is poised for really a breakout season and be one of these guys that we're going to be talking about at the top. You know, be a first-round pick. Uh, number five is going to be Majai Sanders out of Cincinnati. Look, 6'5", 258 pounds. And Sanders, 17 tackles for loss, 11 sacks in his career. Uh, had double-digit tackles for loss in 2020. This is a guy, he, he loves to time his jumps. Uh, he'll, he'll really time it up. And when he times it up right, and he is so explosive getting into the backfield. But here's the thing. You vary up your snap count. And uh, this is a guy who is susceptible to jumping off sides. And that's one of the things that I've noted in several games. Um, he was jumping off sides left and right. Um, you know, Memphis game, SMU, uh, the Georgia game, you know, the Peach Bowl. But he's definitely explosive. And that's one of the things that I think jumps off the, the, the screen at you when you're watching the game film. You know, has that speed, runs the arc, gets to the quarterback. Uh, you know, the other thing that you'll really see is the hand usage. He'll sit there and slap the offensive lineman's hands down. Um, you'll also see a nice slap and rip and uh, be able to bend coming around the edge. He's 6'5", 258. He bends really well for a guy his size. He's got a really nice push-pull uh, to get by the offensive tackle, kind of throw him up the field, and then be able to either get to the quarterback or chase down the running back 
Um, so that's another thing that you really see is that he can be versatile there against the run as well. That's why he has that 10.5 tackles for loss in 2020 was he was able to make some plays against the run as well. Um, you know, a, a guy who you know, doesn't give up on plays, and he's a guy who's going to be you know, relentless coming after the football. And uh, I think Sanders, he's a big reason why Cincinnati is poised to have another huge year there in the American Athletic Conference. And you look at it, they've got Kobe Bryant there at corner along with uh, Juice Gardner. And uh, Sanders is the next guy up in terms of that defensive line, a guy that they're going to have to have a big year out of him with those corners on the back end if uh, Cincinnati really wants to repeat and get back to uh, a New Year's Six Bowl like they did uh, last season. Number six on my list is a guy who really had a breakout season. Uh, Only played in nine games for the Sooners, just two sacks, two tackles for loss, 11 total tackles, and that's Isaiah Thomas, 6'5", 267. Uh, The junior really was thrust into uh, a pivotal role because Ronnie Perkins sat out five games, was suspended after testing positive for marijuana, and really Thomas was the leader up front. 31 tackles, 12 going for loss, seven and a half sacks. And he was somebody who, you know, he was explosive. And it was one of those things to where we didn't really see this guy until 2020, but you saw him, you know, some nice hand usage. You'll see an arm over uh, to get separation and be able to shoot into the backfield. You'll see a nice rip uh, against the, the tackle, slapping the hands down with a nice chop, and then he'll be able to bend a little bit. Another 6'5 guy who's able to bend getting around the corner. That's one of the things that uh, is so impressive about a lot of these guys. You know, there was a jet, jet motion against TCU, able to stay home and, and get a tackle for loss on a play. Um, you know, a guy who just uses that length to his advantage, got really long arms, uses that to his advantage, um, uses his hands to get off his blocks, able to bench press this guy and, and be able to, uh, to pick a guy up. Um, Iowa State game, the Big 12 championship. Uh, there was a push inside slant, able to end up dropping Brees Hall for a loss. Not too many guys able to drop him in the backfield. He was able to get that done. Um, you see some spin moves, filling some holes and filling some gaps. Uh, could be very disruptive. And look, Ronnie Perkins isn't there, but I think Thomas has learned from Ronnie Perkins and can kind of take some of that, that juice that Perkins brought to the table. Look, the Sooner defense was not very strong. Thomas was one of the few bright spots in that those first five games. And then what happens? Ronnie Perkins hits the field and suddenly the Sooners, the Crimson and Cream, are rallying to the football. Six, seven guys all around the football and, and everybody was, was explosive and they're flying around. And Thomas needs to bring that type of energy to the table in 2021. He and Perrion Winfrey both. If the Sooners want to be in that national championship, they can finally break through and get to that championship game. Those are two guys up front that have to have a huge game and uh, you know a huge season. And I think Isaiah Thomas is one of those guys that uh, if he can start doing that and really asserting himself and has another big year, if he can get double-digit sacks, this is the guy that we're going to be talking about in the, the first two rounds of this draft. Ollie Gay is number seven on my list. 6'6", 262 pounds, out of LSU, the Garden City City College transfer, came into Baton Rouge, first season there for the Tigers, and look, this is a guy 
who uses that long wingspan to his advantage. This guy's got freakishly long arms, and you can see that with the six pass breakups. Really did a good job with the timing to get those hands up, and uh, when he gets big, it's difficult to throw over a guy that's basically just about eight feet tall with those long arms. Uh, nine and a half tackles for loss, only got home to the quarterback just twice, but he could still be disruptive without getting home and providing a high sack total because not only that length, but his ability to flush the quarterback and drive that quarterback into some of his teammates. Um, what I really loved is, is the handwork there as well. Not only is he getting it into the passing lanes, but another guy who attacks the offensive lineman's hands. You're going to see a variety of pass rush moves out of him as well. Um, you know, I think he does a really good job attacking the outside and then being able to spin back to the inside. Those secondary moves, a lot of the tackles struggle with that and that tight turn. As long as you stay low and you stay tight and you're getting around that uh, offensive tackle, you're going to be pretty explosive at getting to the quarterback. Um, a, a guy who can bend a little bit, he can then flatten out, get to the quarterback, has good explosiveness. That pad level will get a little bit high at times and that'll get him into trouble. You know, what makes it easy for him to get his hands into a passing lane is getting tall, but that's not necessarily going to work when you're trying to bend around the edge. So I, I think Ollie Gay, though, the, all the, the physical tools are there. I just want to see him put it all together. Number eight on my list is going to, we're going to go into the group of five again, going out to the Mountain West Conference. And uh, how about the 2020 Mountain West Defensive Player of the Year, Cade Hall. 6'2", 260 pounds, one of the smaller guys in this group. But I'll tell you what, this was a guy who put on 40 pounds in the offseason in 2020 and uh, came back a full-grown man. Uh, you know, 12 tackles for loss, 10 sacks. So obviously I had to put a guy with double-digit sacks in my top 10. And what I love about this guy is he's not as explosive as some of the other guys in this group, but a guy who is relentless. He's always working to the quarterback, and I love the hands. Another guy with exceptional hands. You'll see him swipe the, the tackle's hands and uh, get under the pad level to turn the corner. You'll see him uh, with a nice arm over to beat the, the tackle to the inside. Uh, and it's both against the pass and the run. If you watch him in the Boise State game uh, in the Mountain West Championship, uh, shot inside, beat that right tackle with a quick arm over to drop Khalil Shakir in the backfield. And Khalil Shakir is a pretty explosive wide receiver. Before he even got going, he was able to, to do that. I love the fact that he's able to set the edge against the run. He can be you know stout and physical at the point of attack. That 40 pounds really helped him uh, be able to anchor and be able to take care of that. That's one of the things that I thought was so impressive. Um, you know, good power in his hands as well to, to strike that left tackle and drive his man back. Uh, good bull rush, obviously, as well. Um, some good bend getting into his chest and then that leverage being able to drive him back into the quarterback, flushing him outside the pocket. Um, against Boise State, he was actually able to not only do that, but then get off the block and drop the quarterback for a sack. Um, you know What he also likes to do is he'll cross the face of the tackle, start working outside, get back to the inside with a nice rip move, and then get to the quarterback who's trying to step up. Um, that was what he did actually against Boise State in the Mountain West Championship on back-to-back -back sacks. Um, Kate Hall had a struggle uh, in 2021 to start out the season against uh, Southern Utah. Of course, he was going up against uh, Braxton Lewis, the tackle who is a pro prospect 
I, I mentioned him in the last podcast as a guy to watch there at the FCS level. Uh, he's got a chance against USC to really ball out. USC has an offensive line that's really untested. Uh, they're young at the offensive tackle position, so uh, there's a chance for him to really exploit that and potentially get uh, multiple sacks in that game. If he can do that, then I think the Spartans can hang around there against USC. Getting to number nine, we're going to go back to the ACC, and we're going to talk about the Clemson Tigers and uh, Xavier Thomas, 6'2", 270 pounds. This was a guy who burst on the scene in 2018. Everyone you know, was in love with this guy. Eight and a half tackles for loss, three and a half sacks in kind of a reserve role. And then more was expected of him in 2019. Did have eight tackles for loss, only one and a half sacks. Um, but you know, just seemed to – didn't really have put it all together. And in 2020, only played in five games, battled some injuries. And uh, but what I liked was the explosiveness was back. And, you know, four tackles for loss, three and a half sacks in just five games. Um, and a guy who, you know, he, he uses his hands really well to get off blocks, chase down quarterbacks against BC. That's exactly what he did, was able to get off the block of the right tackle, chase down Phil Dracovic and get a sack. And that was on a three-man rush. Uh, which I thought was incredible. Um, he's very active. He doesn't stay blocked. He's always working to the quarterback. And, and that's one of the things that you saw in 2020 that I was expecting to see more of in 2019. When you really burst onto the scene, freshman All-America there in 2018, you're expecting him to take that next step forward. Really had a sophomore slump. And uh, I would have liked to have seen more of a body of work out of Xavier Thomas in just the five games. But in the time that he was there, he really put together some nice tape uh, you know, a guy that can be explosive, a guy that had that motor that was always running. And, uh, you know, I, I think a big year from him. Clemson's going to be you know, relying on him and, and, you know, Miles Murphy and Brian Bercy up front, along with Tyler Davis, to really generate uh, that pass rush. But look, you know, Xavier Thomas is the elder statesman now. He's got a bunch of young guys around him. Bercy and uh, Murphy are only sophomores. So Tyler, uh, Tyler Davis is a junior. So, that veteran presence, if he can really take control of that position group and really get those guys fired up from day one and perform really well for the Clemson Tigers, then I think that bodes well ultimately for his draft stock as well as a guy that not only can get it done on the field, but can also help his teammates off the field. Uh, number 10 on my list, I've got a, a tie at number 10. And one of those is the seventh year senior, uh, Scott Patchen, 6'6, 255. That's right, he played in Miami back in 2015. Um, you know, and uh, as a sophomore in 2017, only played in one game. So, really, um, last two years there at Miami, 2018, 2019, um, was really the, the action that he got to see. Um, was kind of a guy that, you know, started some, was partially in a reserve role. Moves to Colorado State in 2020, only plays in four games thanks to COVID, but in those four games, seven and a half tackles for loss, five and a half sacks. A guy who just, he's, a, he's tough as nails and uh, he's relentless getting after the quarterback and he's a guy, he's intelligent and um, you know the age might be a concern for some teams, but look, you know he's not a guy that you're gonna have to sit there and wait to develop. He's a guy that's a full grown man and a guy that's going to be able to get after the quarterback right away. What you see, I think, is what you get. You're not going to see too much more in terms of you know, a higher, higher ceiling for him, but he does have a high floor, and he's one of those guys, if he can put together a similar season that he, like he did in 2020 where he was just so disruptive, and, you know, Colorado State, multiple cancellations, only got to play in those four games, and uh, he made the most of it. 
Keep an eye out for Scott Patchen. He's going to be one of those guys to watch. He'll be wearing number one for the Colorado State Rams. Um, so it'll be hard to miss a guy that size wearing number one. And then uh, tied with him is a guy who actually is going to be wearing number 11 for Ohio State. And that's Tyreek Smith, 6'4", 267. Uh, a guy who hasn't been overly productive there just yet. Again, that you know, kind of a victim of that uh, rotation. Also only played in 20 games in his first three seasons there with the Buckeyes. Um, just 29 tackles uh, total, six going for loss, four sacks. Does have three pass breakups in his career as well. Uh, but a guy who I thought as the season went along last year, you started to see glimpses of what this guy could become. Unfortunately, in that game against Minnesota, uh, to start out the year, he really struggled getting after the quarterback, really struggled to uh, find a way to get around Daniel Fa'alele. And I mean, You've got to sit there and, and take an Uber to get around this guy to get to the quarterback anyway. But he also struggled with Sam Schluter as well. And so he's one of those guys who really needs to rebound and has a, have a big year there in Big Ten play if he wants to see his draft stock improve. Uh, he's one of those guys. There are a lot of guys behind him that could be nipping at his heels and could be moving up that draft board. So I'm hopefully expecting to see him rebound next week. Um, so one of those guys to watch. And now that we've made it through the top 10, got some other guys for you to be on the lookout for. We're going to stay in the Big Ten. Iowa's Zach Van Valkenburg uh, was a guy who was definitely disruptive for them. Uh, a guy who was really a first-year starter. Eight and a half tackles for loss, three and a half sacks. But I'll tell you what, the, the performance of the uh, of the day for him was, was against Minnesota. Three of those sacks came against the Gophers. Yeah, I said three and a half. So really the production there uh, really came against Minnesota. But this is a guy, you saw him fire off the ball, the speed to power, um, you know, hands up, really high on the left tackle and uh, was able to just kind of out leverage him and drive that left tackle back to the quarterback, force him out of the pocket. Really took advantage of, of Sam Schluter, the left tackle, and, and used uh, the speed to power, attacking the you know, Schluter's hands left and right. Excellent effort. There was a stunt and looping around. Kept coming to get to the quarterback for the sack. Relentless. It really fits that blue-collar type of, of, uh, of defensive end that Iowa's uh, really been producing lately. Another guy to be on the lookout for is Randy Charlton, formerly of UCF, now with Mississippi State, 6'3", 258. And what I really like about Charlton is this, this is a guy who's never going to give up on a play. High motor, high effort guy, and um, you know, not the biggest guy by any means, but a guy who does a really good job just continuing to work to get to the quarterback. He's 6'3", 258 pounds, and uh, because of that lack of size, he's, he's probably not going to be a guy that's going to be on anybody's radar in the first two days of the draft, but uh, a guy who I still think can be incredibly productive at the next level. Um, I, I love the move to Mississippi State. Get him there in the SEC and see if he can perform. Um, battled some injuries, only played in um, 14 games in the last two seasons. Um, you know, 12 and a half tackles for loss, four sacks, and uh, really want to see him have a breakout season. If he can in SEC play, he'll be one of those guys that we're going to be talking about as a, a early to mid day three pick. Uh, Sam Williams there for uh, Ole Miss, a guy who's incredibly explosive. But uh, a guy who also got into some off-field trouble. So obviously teams are going to have to do their homework with him. 6'4", 265, and uh, seven, 17 and a half tackles for loss, 
10 sacks in his career. And uh, he's coming back there to Oxford. Lane Kiffin's got him there. And uh, like I said, could be very explosive coming off the edge. And look, the play of the year for him, I think, really was against Alabama, where he beat uh, the left tackle. I believe it was uh, Alex Leatherwood off the ball ran around him and ultimately pulled Mac Jones down by the jersey with his left hand for a sack on third down. Um, Thought it was really impressive there. Also did a good job against the run. Really followed uh, Evan Neal on a pull, followed him around and ultimately dropped the running back in the backfield for a loss. So a guy who, again, very explosive, but it's more off the field than on the field with him. If he can stay on the field and uh, be productive, then he's another guy that we're going to be talking about come draft day as a guy that could be one of those sleepers. I'm going to give you one more guy to be on the lookout for, and that's Owen Carney there for Illinois. 6'2", 6'3", 260, 270 pounds. And uh, what I really like about Carney is he's one of those guys who who has some bend to him, uh, a guy who uses his hands well, and a guy who's just relentless getting after the quarterback. Um only had three tackles in that big win there for Illinois over uh, Nebraska. But what you did see was there were times where he was able to bend getting around the corner, get to the edge, and flatten out and get to the quarterback um, and just pressure him. The problem that I see with him is that he's a little bit stiff. The problem that I see with Owen Carney is the stiffness. You see some stiffness in his hips. He's not overly explosive, so you're not always going to see him bending and turning turning around the corner. Change of direction can be a little slow at times as well. But he's a guy, I want to see him continue to try to set that edge against the run. And he's a guy that's not necessarily going to be that explosive player, but a guy that can be productive at the next level. So I think of a guy like A.J. Epinesa, who had some stiffness to him, ran that 505-40, but a guy that still was a second-round pick because he was overly productive. He was a guy that could be stout at the point of attack and be really physical, uses his hands well. And I think there's some traits there with Nolan Carney that can translate to the next level. So those are the defensive ends that we want to definitely take a look at and be on the watch for in 2021. Uh, when we transition here to the defensive tackles, uh, I, I want to preface by saying DeMarvin Leal out of Texas A&M could also be in the defensive end group. I had to decide where to put him and uh, ultimately decided to put him with the defensive tackles. Look, he's 6'4", 290 pounds. Uh, the junior you know, I think you know as a five technique, this guy could wreak havoc as an interior pass rusher. Uh, Twelve and a half tackles for loss, four and a half sacks in his two seasons there with the Aggies. Also had three pass breakups as well, and he's just freakishly athletic. Uh, able to bend around uh, Mississippi State game, ran right around Greg Island, the right tackle. Um, and was able to get to the quarterback, be disruptive there. Uh, also love the fact you know, that he was able to keep his balance. You know, There are a couple of times where I, uh, Island was really trying to cut him, going at his feet. He was able to keep his, foot, uh, keep his footing, and there was one where they were actually trying to throw in that direction, and uh, he was able to not only keep that balance, but be able to get his hand into the throwing lane and knock the pass down. Uh, against South Carolina, had a great inside move to beat the center, get to the quarterback, Got a sack with Bobby Brown III, the defensive tackle. Very athletic, but also very powerful. A guy that can bull rush, drive his man into the backfield. Um, Saw that time and time again against North Carolina in the Orange Bowl. I think DeMarvin Leal is primed for a breakout season, and he'll be one of those guys that we'll be talking about as as a round one guy, possibly even into the top half of round number one. Number two on the list is going to be Jordan Davis out of Georgia. 6'5", 6'6", 
334 pounds. Uh, this is a dude who is just, he's a mammoth big dude. Um, but what was surprising about him is that he offers up some some pass rush ability as well. He's not just going to be a guy who's just going to clog up space. You know, um, six and a half tackles for loss, five sacks in his career. Uh, only got to play in seven games with Georgia uh, last season. But uh, a, a guy who does a great job bench pressing his man. So the power, obviously, you see that. He'll drive his man back and then kind of sh- throw them aside and be able to go after the running back, sometimes even chasing them down from behind. Um, excellent motor, a guy that's always going to be working to the quarterback. Uh, there was a play where had really nice quick hands off the ball to, to beat the center, but then he had to chase the quarterback down. It was uh, Desmond Ritter in the Peach Bowl and had to chase him all the way to the sideline, but you definitely saw that effort being able to do that. Um, he's stout at the point of attack, um, uses those hands to disengage and be able to chase after the running back. Um, but that power is really the, the you know, his calling card. He's going to bench press that guy and, and get off that block. And uh, you know, he'll get into throwing lanes if he needs to. He's going to take up space. He's going to command multiple blockers at all times. But he's one of those guys too, though. If quarterback's rolling out, you're going to be seeing big Jordan Davis out there on the outside. And uh, you know, when you see a guy that size coming at you full speed, especially with the way he moves, uh, you know, he's going to be wreaking some havoc there in SEC play. I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do uh, with Georgia against Clemson. Can he get home against DJ Ui Angalale? Uh, you're also going to want to make sure that he can plug the middle there. Uh, Clemson's offensive line is questionable. And they lost Travis Etienne as well. So can he make Clemson one-dimensional with really collapsing the the interior of that line against the run? That's going to be something to watch out for. The Ohio State University's Haskell Garrett is number three on my list, 6'2", 299 pounds. And I'll tell you, Garrett is that blend of quickness off the ball and power that you really look for in a defensive tackle. And it's really rare when you see a a smooth athlete who can also jack a guy back into the backfield. That's exactly uh, Haskell Garrett's game. And this first game there in in 2021 uh, against Minnesota, you saw the quickness and you saw the arm over off the ball to get early penetration into the backfield. Um, you know, really using that swim move to, to beat the right guard time and time again. Uh, there was one play where he actually forced a hold because he was so quick getting off the ball. All the right guard Curtis Dunlap could do was really just bear hug him and hold on for dear life. But the, the play of the game for me was the strip sack by Zach Harrison that Haskell Garrett wound up picking up and the dude runs like a 4-7-40 to the end zone, 30 yards for the score. The the athleticism, the speed, he looks so smooth as a runner. He did not look like a guy who was 6-2 and 300 pounds moving down the field. And that's one of the things that I thought was so impressive for a guy like Haskell Garrett is you're really getting to see a lot of the explosiveness and a lot of that quickness. Um, you know, One of the things that I did see uh, a season ago was you did see some of that low pad level firing off the ball early to get that quick penetration um, and that quickness coming off the football but you also really saw a lot of that power getting that push off the line driving his man into the backfield and then uh, not only getting his hand up to knock some passes down but then also being able to get off those blocks and be disruptive against the run also getting after the quarterback as well a guy who has 40 tackles in his career six and a half tackles for loss two sacks um, and, and 
you know, like I said, if, if you've got a guy who can get that early penetration uh, against the run, a guy who can also provide that bull rush um, and drive his man into the backfield, collapse the pocket from within and be that interior pass rusher, then you've really got something going. And you know, a guy that's not just one-dimensional, you don't just want a guy, the run stuffers are the guys that fall in the draft, sometimes to either late day two or into day three. I think Hassel Garrett has a chance to be a first rounder, may also be a second round pick, but uh, I think he's off to a good start there in 2021. Number four on my list is a guy who people weren't really talking about when the season started, uh, but people really knew number zero for Oklahoma. Perrion Winfrey, 6'3", 297, came in as a junior, junior college transfer, uh, five and a half tackles for loss and a half a sack. But look, this was a guy, again, the Ronnie Perkins effect. The first half of the season, you saw a guy, okay, you know, this is Perrion Winfrey. He's a guy that was making some plays and, uh, you know, you're making notice of him. But once Ronnie Perkins took the field, you know, it was one of those things to where he really fed off of that emotion and that juice as well. And suddenly you saw this guy, he was unblockable. The quickness off the football, the hand usage, the power to drive his man back into the backfield. We weren't seeing that the first part of the season. This is a guy who really got some confidence to him. And I think Ronnie Perkins being there playing next to him really helped out. Um, you, know, you saw him in the Baylor game, um, holding the line strong at the point of attack. Uh, Ronnie Perkins shot inside, funneled the quarterback right to Perry on Winfrey for no gain. So I think they really fed fed off each other really well. Two-hand swipe of the center into the backfield in that same game. Um, and I just noted here the hand usage. Plus hand usage there for Perry on Winfrey. Has some decent quickness. Not a guy that's... Uh, you know, going to get out there and chase a bunch of guys down, but that short area quickness and being able to get after the quarterback is something that you definitely like. Um, he's going to split double teams. He's going to use those hands. Um, and uh, in that Iowa State game, in the Big 12 championship, man, he whipped the center coming off the ball, uh, able to sack the quarterback, did get a face mask, so it was called back. But it just speaks to that level of athleticism and the explosiveness. Colin Newell just didn't know what hit him. Number five on the list is going to be Tyler Davis out of Clemson, 6'2", 290 pounds, another one of those uh, youngsters up front. But look, he's one of the elder statesmen. He's the junior uh, you know, playing there next to Brian Brissy and, and Miles Murphy, the, the sophomores, and uh, a guy who just had a tremendous 2019 season, 10.5 tackles for loss, 6.5 sacks, 45 total tackles, a couple of pass breakups as well, played in seven games in 2020. And look, you know, when you have those freshmen, it kind of cuts into your playing time a little bit. Five and a half, I'm sorry, five tackles for loss, two sacks. Uh, but what you really like about Tyler Davis, again, is, is that explosiveness, a guy who has that blend of power and speed. Uh, I, I just want to make sure, you know, that he's a guy that's going to stay out there on the field. Is he going to be a three-down performer? And is he going to be a guy that's going to be able to start teeing off on the quarterback? Watch him there against Georgia. Georgia's offensive line, you know, is 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 suspect i think along the interior of that line so he'll be a guy that can definitely um, if he can collapse the pocket from within if he can start shooting some gaps he'll be another guy who is going to consider coming out after the season um zach carter out of florida 6'4 290 pounds and this is a guy who just continues to get better as a pass rusher he's an interior pass rusher um, you'll see him line up if they do an odd man front at the five technique but uh, 14 and a half tackles for loss, nine and a half sacks, six pass breakups. He's got tremendous length to him. And uh, you know, one of the things that he really did well was he has this long arm where he'll just extend that arm into the left tackle and then he'll drive him back and then use a swim move to come off that block to get to the quarterback after that. 
Um, you know, you'll see him with inside moves, cross the face of the of the tackle. Um, you know, especially against the run, forcing the running back to slam on the brakes and try to bounce it back outside, which is where he'll have his friends, the the linebackers and the safeties, waiting for him and, and able to get those tackles for loss there on the edge. Um, excellent power in his hands likes to really strike that offensive tackle get him off balance off the snap and then from there if he can use that long arm or if he's going to use a swim move or a spin um, also will swipe the hands using you know, a two-hand swipe and then he'll dip bend and flatten out to get to the quarterback i'm a big fan of of uh, zachary carter people aren't really talking about him but he's one of those guys that i think if he you know shows that pass rush ability the ability to not only be explosive coming off the football but also drive that power and have that blend um he might be a guy that could fit in as a five technique and be a disruptive five technique you know i, I just i like the length and uh so he's one of those guys that's intriguing speaking of five techniques i'll tell you what if Fedarian mathis isn't playing defensive tackle in a in a four three scheme i could see him being a five technique in an odd man front uh, Mathis, look, every time I put on tape wanting to watch Christian Barmore a season ago, this guy wearing a number in the 40s kept flashing. And, and the thing with Mathis is he has some of that explosiveness. It's one of those things you'll see him kind of twist around and, and try to get into the passing lane and get his hand up. He'll take on multiple blockers. And you know if he's taking up space, he's plugging up gaps, uh, whether it's against the run. Against the pass, he's going to get his hand up and he's going to knock some passes down. Had three pass breakups there in 2020 alone. Um, really wasn't much of a factor through his first two seasons. Last year, 31 tackles, five going for loss, one and a half sacks. Um, you know, a guy who you know, he'll use an arm over, he'll use some of those hand slaps, but a guy who I, I think he's an intelligent player. You know, able to rush the quarterback in a variety of ways. On a stunt, he looped around, got a full head of steam ran through a running back block uh, that was against Mississippi State and got to the quarterback, able to pressure him. So even though he wasn't getting home, he's another guy who was very disruptive um, against the pass, being able to collapse the pocket, being able to uh, come off the edge and explode into the quarterback, uh, into his space, um, and also able to plug up some gaps against the run as well. I think Mathis, look, Alabama we know has that rotation up front, but he's one of those guys that I think if he can continue that, that explosive play, he'll be one of those guys that we're going to continue to talk about and could potentially move up some draft boards. Number eight on my list, how about Jermaine Lolay out of Arizona State? 6'1", 310 pounds, a guy who, you know, over 100 tackles in his career, 20 tackles for loss, and 11 sacks. at six and a half sacks in 2019 with a full slate of games under his belt. Only played in four games in 2020. Um, but a guy who was just so powerful. And that's one of the things I just have power written down here. And against USC, I think it was really uh, in, in just on display. Fourth down play, double teamed by the left guard and the left tackle. Threw down the left guard and ultimately stuffed the run in front of him. Um, uses his hands well to get off blocks and, and get his hand up to, to bat passes down. He'll loop around on stunts and run straight to the quarterback. And those are some of the things that you see uh, is some surprising athleticism for, for a guy his size and with the power that he has. And that blend, that's one of the things I'm looking for. Can you be an interior pass rusher? Can you be a guy who can be disruptive? Um against both the pass and then again also against the run. The defensive tackles have to be guys that are taking up space, guys that can be quick penetrators and disrupt the run. Even if you're not the guy that brings the tackle, you know, brings that, that running back down and has that tackle for loss, if you can ultimately take your man, drive him into the backfield 
and force that running back to change course because you've ultimately blown up that run play, then you've done your job and that's you know you're gonna have a home there at the next level if you can do that on, on a consistent basis. And Jermaine Lillet is one of those guys to be on the lookout for there in the Pac-12 because he does have those skills and is able to drive that. Has that low center of gravity being only 6-1, so I think a lot of times he's able to get under that pad level and drive a guy back into the backfield and be able to cause some havoc. Thomas Booker for Stanford, I think a lot of people were expecting him to take that step forward in 2020 and it just didn't really happen. Uh, through his first two seasons, had 12.5 tackles for loss, 7.5 sacks, kind of struggled to really get things going, played in six games there for Stanford, um, but a guy that I, I love his length, uh, a guy who, I, again, I think could be a, uh, a three technique. I'm sorry, a, you know, a five technique in, in an odd man front, be that three technique in an even man front, kind of has that versatility to be able to do both. Um, excellent hands. Uh, that's the thing that's so impressive about these guys. A lot of these guys have really nice hands, um, and they play with good leverage despite the size that they have. Um, you know, against Oregon, Thomas Booker, uh, gets underneath the center, drives the man back, able to come off that block and drop C.J. Verdell right there in the hole. Uh, his problem, though, is that that pad level will creep up on him, and when that does happen, he's susceptible to be getting driven back off the football. Now, Georgia has a guy uh, in Devontae Wyatt who's teaming with Jordan Davis. They may have the most explosive and, and the best front in all of college football. 6'3", 315. Um, I know Clemson will have an argument for that, but uh, Devontae Wyatt is a guy, uh, exceptional size. And when you're playing next to a nose tackle like like Jordan Davis, uh, obviously you're going to see a lot more of those, those single uh, matchups and be able to exploit those. But uh, I'm a big fan of, of Devontae Wyatt. He's a guy that uh, I'm gonna be looking forward to, see if he can continue to get that penetration and get into the backfield. Um, some of the other defensive tackles to be on the lookout for as well. Uh, Nesta Jane Silvera uh, out of Miami, 6'2", 305. Um, good burst uh, for a guy his size. And one of the things that I really appreciate, you know, against that, you know, against Florida State, uh, there was a end around and uh, ultimately able to stay at home and be able to, to blow that play up. Um, he's athletic. Um, get up the field in a hurry and he has a motor that won't quit you know uh, against that florida state uh team chased down the tight end cameron mcdonald 15 yards down the field on a screen pass uh, another guy who wears number one up front so he'll be a guy that you'll definitely want to tune in for um how about jackson player out of tulsa you know six foot 280 pounds the guy who's played nose tackle he also has been playing the, the five technique there for the gold uh, golden hurricane and a guy who he wins with that burst coming off the football you know, he'll he'll take on uh you know that that offensive tackle if he's lining up as a five technique and he'll be able to to bend a little bit uh, which is surprising for for a guy his size uh, but he can bend a little bit coming off the edge uh, what i also like is you know, he'll he'll attack that outside shoulder and then he'll spin back inside and shoot the gap and get to the quarterback. Um, explosive coming up the field. Um, when he lines over the nose, that's one of the things, you know, that speed, uh, he really takes, you know, uses that to his advantage, and the centers really struggle with that quickness. I think he can hold the point against the run at times. Um, you know, he has that, that low center of gravity, but the lack of length can get him into trouble as well. So when 
you know, if he doesn't beat you off the football and that offensive lineman can grab a hold of him and get into his body, then he's in trouble. He's going to be neutralized. He doesn't really have any of that length to keep him at, at distance. So once they get into him, it, it lights out. It, it, it's in trouble. But his game is all predicated on that quickness. And you're going to see a, a variety of pass rush moves. You'll see the arm over, the swim move. You'll also see a slap and rip on him as well. Uh, Jackson player, a guy to really, really watch out for. And a season ago, uh, a guy who didn't always get home to the quarterback, but still was tremendously disruptive. Uh, 16 tackles for loss, three sacks in his career. All three of those sacks coming in 2020. I'm looking for a big year out of number 90 Jackson player. Keep an eye out for him there uh, with the Golden Hurricane. Um, I'm going to stay with the group of five and talk about Talon Humphrey. Big number 99 there for Louisiana. 6'5", 333 pounds. Uh, a, a guy who... Is just a mountain of a man and is difficult to be moved off of his spot. And that's one of the things that I think you can absolutely say is um, when he keeps that pad level low, he's difficult to move. He's going to bench press his man. And uh, one of the things that I thought was really impressive, especially against Coastal Carolina, he'll take his right hand and put it into the armpit and jack that man inside. Then he'll come off the block and be able to plug up some holes you know, against the run. Uh, his pad level gets high at times and he'll get driven back. And that's really the biggest thing. And that's what I want to look for with Taylor Humphrey. If he can keep that pad level low and be stout at the point of attack, he's one of those sleepers in this draft class. But if he keeps playing too high, then it really negates any of that power, any of that quickness coming off the football. And uh, he needs to really make sure that he's doing a better job with that. Um, because look, Against UTSA in the first responder bowl, you know, he drove that center back with a nice bull rush, had these real uh, choppy feet and just walked the center all the way back into the backfield. You see that power in his hands to just jolt that center off the ball. And, uh, you know, he can be strong at the point of attack. He'll extend his arms, be physical, not give up ground. Uh, can stay low and, and, and stout against double teams, but he's got to do it consistently. If he can do that, that's really what I think he needs to work on the most is that pad level, and he'll be one of those guys that we're talking about. Uh, Corey Durden, I uh, just wanted to mention 6'5", 315. He's moved on to NC State, uh, but a guy you know, at Florida State was a guy who had active hands and a guy who could drive his man back into the backfield. Um, a little bit of an odd man out at times. It was a guy that was ultimately uh, kind of the third defensive tackle, especially with Marvin Wilson there. Um, so I think he would have been primed for a starting role consistently there for the Seminole front. But he's moving on to NC State, and uh, he'll be a guy to really watch out for there in ACC play. Uh, Dante Stills, Darius's brother, 6'4", 280 pounds. It was dad Gary Stills who played at West, West Virginia as well and uh, with the Indianapolis Colts. He's somebody, just like his brother, has that quick penetration to get into the backfield. He's four inches taller than his brother, so uh, he's one of those guys who uh, doesn't have to really rely on that, that first step quickness, although he has a pretty nice first step. He's going to utilize that length to his advantage as well. Uh, a, a guy who I think could play a... Uh, a five technique and a 34 defense also move inside but if he's going to move inside in a 43 i think he's going to need to put on some size which is why i'm thinking um you know five technique is really going to be his home but he, he's a guy in in the big 12 play that's really going to be able to get after the quarterback early and often for them 
And, uh, you know, a, a guy who I think can be disruptive. Look, you know, 29 tackles for loss, 13 sacks. He knows how to get to the quarterback. He knows how to be disruptive in the backfield. Uh, he just doesn't have his brother to team with anymore. So that's really the thing that I'm going to be looking for is, is can he do this on his own? And uh, because of that size, you know, he kind of fits a different profile than his brother. It may make him a little bit more marketable at the next level. Missouri, uh, SEC play, Kobe Whiteside, 6'1", 300. And uh, a guy who, look, you know, 2020, I think he kind of wants to forget about that season. But in 2019, at seven and a half sacks, showed that he can get after the quarterback. If he can return to that form, he's going to be one of those Missouri Tigers. Look, Missouri Tigers are known for producing productive uh, defensive linemen, guys that are going to get drafted high and move on to the next level. So he might be the next guy in that line if he can return to that 2019 form. Uh, Zach Pickens out of South Carolina, 6'3", 300. He's going to be a guy to watch along the interior there, along with Michigan's Chris Christopher Hinton. Dad is uh, Chris Hinton there of uh, the Indianapolis Colts fame, 6'4", 305. He's going to be one of those guys, you know, didn't really get a ton of playing time, just nine uh, games under his belt for the Wolverines. He's going to be starting, going to be healthy, guy to keep an eye on there. And then how about DJ Dale there for Alabama? He's 6'3", 307, the nose tackle, the junior, stout at the point of attack. Not a guy that's really going to be overly productive in terms of tackles for loss or sacks, but that's okay. His job is taking on multiple blockers and allowing those linebackers and ends to really make the play and a lot of the safety play as well. Um, so I think he's done a really good job there for Bama being able to open up a lot of those holes. He'll be an early day three pick, in my opinion. I think probably fourth round feels about right uh, just because he's not overly flashy and not going to do a whole lot there um, in terms of, of getting after the quarterback. But look, you need to have those guys that can absorb um, a, a lot of blockers and be able to anchor. And, and if you can do that, hold that point, take on multiple blockers and allow other guys to end up running free to get to the quarterback or get to the ball carrier, then I think you're in good shape there going forward. So, uh, you know, UTSA has a guy too, Jalen Haynes, uh, 6'2", 290 pounds, a nose tackle. This is a guy who uh, repeatedly will, will attack the uh, the left shoulder of the center, uses a nice rip under uh, to, to get to the quarterback. And he'll, he'll use a spin move off the ball to shoot into the A-gap and then chase down the quarterback. Uh, against Texas State, he did exactly that. He was able to get the quarterback down for a sack as he was stepping up into the pocket. Uses his hands well to get off the block. Very quick up the field and a burst off the football. Um, he'll even get a give a stutter coming off the ball and use a rip uh, to get inside. Um, which allows him, I think because of his athleticism, will allow him to, to kick out to uh, the five technique in a 34 defense. It was 6'2", 290. You know, he might be a little bit too small to play that nose at the next level, but uh, one of those guys who I think could potentially find a home, at least if nothing else, um, as a priority free agent, but uh, one of those guys who can be absolutely disruptive and can get the job done. Uh, same goes for C.J. Brewer. It kind of fits into that same mold. He's 6'2", 280 pounds, um, but you know, definitely dry, you know, has generates that push up front, uh, gets after the quarterback. Um, you know, very uh, high motor guy, a lot of energy. But with Teron Jackson moving on, the Chanticleers are going to really be counting on C.J. Brewer to be the guy that's going to be disruptive there, uh, getting after the quarterback and uh, also against the run. 
So those are my top 10 lists for the defensive line. Um, you know, I think Kayvon Thibodeau is obviously going to be the, the class of the defensive end group, but there are a lot of guys beyond him. And it's just a matter of, you know, some of the injuries with uh, Aiden Hutchinson and George Karloftis uh, and some of the potential there with guys like Zach Harrison. If they all can put things together, then this could be a really nice draft class, uh, especially at the top end of this draft where it's kind of been up and down uh, in season to season. We have four come off the board in 2021, a season before that. We just had two in round one. So I think there's a chance that we could potentially have four or five guys come off the board in round one with this draft class. Uh, but we just have to see if these guys can put everything together and join Kayvon Thibodeau at the top of this draft. Uh, defensively on the interior, and I have DeMarvin Leal at the top of this defensive tackle list. I think the versatility is absolutely there. A guy who I think could very well be among the defensive ends and talk about him as a, a five technique and potentially be that number two defensive end coming off the board. But ultimately, I think uh, defensive tackle may be his home, be that interior pass rusher. That might be where you really get the boom for your buck there, uh, taking a defensive tackle. But look, when you've got guys like Jordan Davis and Haskell Garrett there at the top, uh, we've got some guys that we could be in consideration there for the first round. We know that the defensive tackle position is, uh, a year ago in the 2021 draft, there wasn't a ton of depth at that group, and I think there's potential with this group as well, and I'm just looking forward to seeing what they can do in 2021. Now, there were some ends that we didn't mention because I think they really transition are going to be uh, outside linebackers at the next level. I look at a guy like Amari Barno uh, there for Virginia Tech. Um, I think he's technically listed as a defensive end for them. But when you watch him play, he's really playing as a stand-up outside linebacker. So I think that's ultimately going to be his home. So that's why I don't have him listed. Same with Kingsley Enigbari there for South Carolina. 6'4", 270 pounds. But this dude's playing outside linebacker. That's really where I think it'll be interesting to see how he transitions if they do decide to put his hand in the dirt at the next level, but a guy who I think can play in space. And ultimately, if you've got a guy that big who's able to move as well as he does, then you know I, I'm still considering him as an outside linebacker. The inside linebacker position, I'm going to be controversial with that. I'll, I'll tell you right now, because that my number one inside linebacker is somebody that I don't think a lot of people have at the top of their board. And that's Mike Rose out of Iowa State. I'm going to tell you right now, this is a dude who's just a football player. And, you know, he may not be as flashy as some of these other guys, uh, but a guy who just, he's played in every single, and not only played, but started every single game there at Iowa State and always puts himself in the right position to make a play. Um, plays pretty fast, and because of that diagnosis, you're not a guy who is, is as quick or as fast as, as Luke Keekley, but it, he reminds me a lot of him because if you want to know where the football is going to be, whether it's a, a, a run or a pass, just watch Mike Rose and he'll take you to the football. That's really what I did with Luke Keekley. I watched Luke Keekley play, and if I wanted to know where the football was going to go, you just watch where Keekley went, and that's usually where that football was going to be. And I think Mike Rose has some of those traits. He's not the athlete by any means like Luke Keekley is, but I think Mike Rose, he's more of that throwback and that blue collar type, but definitely has similar instincts to, to Keekley. So we'll be talking about that linebacker position. Obviously on the outside linebackers, Adam Anderson is a guy who gets fired out of a cannon. We've got Drake Jackson there out of USC. Can he put everything together and have a huge year? There's a lot of guys to talk about. So we'll, uh, 
make sure that we get this together here in the next couple of days. We'll be talking about the linebacker position. And then finally, we'll have my last top 10 list where we'll talk about the corners and the safeties when we talk about the entire secondary. So until next time, everyone, enjoy your weekends. Be safe. And for ReadyForTheDraft.com, this has been the Ready for the Draft podcast. I've been your host, Greg Schutz. Take care, everyone. And I am out of here.